Yeah. This week we're going to be talking about Indiana Jones and the conundrum therein. That's that's right. Specifically the original Raiders movie. Yeah, specifically Raiders. Like yeah. the the whole concept. A lot of people, I'm sure you've might have heard the whole indie has no impact yeah. concept with Raiders. Yeah. Uh in this for me this came I've never I've never really watched The Big Bang Theory, but there I just remember hearing about there's like a scene Yeah, a couple of my friends had told me yeah. they loosely touched on this. Apparently like with the characters it's a big uh, one of their favorite movies. I mean I guess Sheldon's character shows it to his girlfriend Amy in one of the episodes. He really wants her to like it and she says she does, but there's like a fatal flaw and she says that indie plays no role in the outcome of the story. And it just, Which essentially is true. Yes, yeah. The simple answer is absolutely. That's true. He doesn't. And it 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 devastates Sheldon and the rest of the characters who keep trying to find a way to prop it back up again. Their whole world has been shattered through that simple thing. And I you know, and they're doing it for the comedic effect. And I've watched the clip and, and when I was thinking about that, I'm like, Yeah, for me I took it in the sense that no, that's absolutely true, but it's actually okay. Yeah. There's more to the Raiders movie that I think sometimes people tend to forget about or aren't seeing. It it's it encourages you to look a little bit deeper into the story. It's also weirdly humbling from a certain angle. No, also. no, no, yeah. And I think that's what that's definitely what puts the first one in terms of a critical point of view. Now, I I would definitely say that the third one is my personal favorite. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just I I think just because there was a lot I have a lot of memories from childhood about like with that watching that movie and we were playing a video game at the time, the indie yeah. graphic adventure on one of the old computers that we had and we couldn't like solve half the puzzles, so we turned to the movie to try and figure out how to do it. And so yeah, there was just like for me there's a lot of like, you know, personal memories that go along with that one so that's why i enjoy crusade the most from a critical standpoint and like a creative and artistic standpoint raiders is still the best raiders really struck the iron yeah oh Um, absolutely i think it's one of the greatest character introductions of all time Mm -hmm. i think it just it utilized him right it just it got it ticked so many boxes in the right direction for a first installment no definitely and in a weird way it didn't overshadow the other two yeah and and the the difference is in the other two he does play more of a direct role in the outcome of the plot he he definitely is a more proactive character in in the first one though it's the first one is 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 really a character journey it's a character piece what i've always found interesting about the second one and i didn't know this until a number of years after I'd seen it was that it's actually chronologically before Raiders. Yeah, I for the longest time. Which is, I've always yeah. found strange. I did not know that. Yeah, for the longest time, it's technically a prequel to Raiders in terms of Indy's world. Temple of Doom comes first for him, then Raiders, then Crusade. So it yeah, shifts, it sh- totally shifts up the perspective of the scenario. Yeah. It's like, like it's like, oh wow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I didn't know that. I think I, I think I only ever discovered it one time back when it was on TV, and I like hit info, and it came up this Raiders prequel, and I was like, wait, this Raiders prequel? Yeah, and I was and like, you do the deeper dive, and I was like, someone, someone messed up. This ain't a prequel. This comes after. And then I was, yeah, I was surprised to be like, oh, yeah, this does take place before. Yeah, I've always found that interesting. Yeah, I don't think I ever pinpointed when, how long, or before it takes place. But yeah, I think that'd be a fun, fun thing to dig up. That'd be an interesting try and pinpoint. Um, we'll, we'll do a Temple of Doom sometime. We'll we'll dig in. Th- well, I'm pretty sure they all, yeah, they all take place in the 30s, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. the the original Raiders film, um, which originally came out as. Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then years later, now if you if you were to buy a new version of it 
or even like the set, it will it will say Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the original name was just Raiders of the Lost Ark. They did the same thing with Star Wars, yep. and that was a very Lucasfilm move. More more of a marketing and branding issue there. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I think you know going back to the idea that he serves no purpose in the plot, absolutely true. But there's there's a reason for that. Yeah. And it's okay that he doesn't have a huge outcome in the fate of the arc. I guess for me, I think it, it boils down to I actually there's a really uh, quote that I love from William Faulkner the only thing worth writing about is the human heart in conflict with itself that's that's the juice of any drama that is the juice you know that's that's the inner conflict that you're looking for when it comes uh to the story to to any story especially when you're dealing with a central character that's the like it's it's okay to kind of lose some of that stuff I think in like a broader story like we were talking about five five man band you can you can let a lot of that stuff get lost in the mix but when you have a central character yes there has to be sympathetic qualities you have to see another soul a little yeah. bit. I think that in a situation like this, that's abundantly important. Yeah, and this would be this story would adhere to the the more classical tradition, the Western style of the the main character sort of really pulling the weight, the ropes of the story itself. Not to say that there aren't other characters who join him along the way or have important influence, yeah. but but really, this is a, a singular hero story. It focuses one of the first things that I always think about. What this story really focuses on is the the Jungian story archetypes that Carl Jung came up with, particularly the hero and the shadow. Those are the two. There's, there's th- I believe there's 12, I think, Ooh. created or you know explored. But for, for now, we're only focusing on arguably probably the two biggest ones in any story that you write, and that's the hero archetype and the shadow. Yeah. And we went through this when, when we were in school. I, I remember. I remember yeah. the the whole Jung archetype lecture, and that was that was a big proponent. Like a lot of people came back to that one because it's a good character study example. Yeah, no, it's really good at like trying to figure out how do I externalize the inner conflict of the characters, especially when you're on when you're doing something with film. You don't have the luxury that you do in a book. A book can really get inside the character's mind, and you can yeah. you can have that sort of stream of consciousness in a book. In a film, much more difficult to pull off without it coming off either boring or just not not as engaging. Yeah, I th- I think the only genre that that really works and clicks is noir. Yeah, and it's yeah, even yeah, yeah. then it's still real tricky to nail. Yeah, definitely. It's not to say, yeah, exactly. Can't not to say it couldn't can't be done, but definitely much definitely more tricky in yeah. film. But yeah, with the hero, you know, you have the hero archetype, who's you know the, the usually the protagonist and the main character, and their greatest challenge that they have to come across is the shadow archetype and usually in any story you know that usually is the villain of the story or the antagonist and the shadow has to represent the greatest challenge be the greatest adversary to the hero and usually their final confrontation comes in the climax of the film you know i think it's important to always know that the shadow and the hero are pretty close to each other yeah like there's definite parallels yeah of course the shadow always sees themselves as the hero of the story at least the the ones that are better crafted yeah 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 you know for crafting that that better antagonist they they see themselves as, they, as the they need to believe what they're they're yeah seeking. it's it's their story and that's for me that's always been what the original raiders movie is it's a character journey piece for indy and it's more based on his internal struggles and what he's going through rather than the outcome of the plot or the fate of the arc yeah it's him trying to grapple with what kind of person he is and it's it's simply shown it's pretty much in every single scene of the movie it's all showing that it's all made and whether they did this whether lucas and spielberg 
and oh, the screener, I can't remember. I can see him in front of me who, who helped do the screenplay. But whether or not they did that consciously, I'm not sure. But it definitely shows that this is a more thematic and more character-driven piece. Yeah. And also, I think uh, it's it's interesting that the influence that's really lost by Indy is purely on the arc. Like, what him being involved in the storyline, really what he accomplishes is saving Marion. Yeah. Because and- without his presence, she simply falls into the hands of Germany. Yeah, and he ultimately he ultimately saves himself too. Yeah. That's I think the at the at the heart of the story in Raiders. Because essentially, yeah, like the Ark was never in any danger from the Nazis. Because what happens to them is always going to happen. Yes, exactly. Now, obviously, you got to frame it too. You got to look back when the movie first came out. You know, you got to frame it in that in that mindset. No one knows what's going to happen when the Ark is open. Now, it's yeah. the whole Ark opening sequence and the whole famous face melting scene has become like a pop cultural sort of icon to say the least yeah so you know we all know what happens at the end so you're able to look at this you know a little bit differently but when you look at it from when it originally came out in 1981 i believe when it was first released that sounds correct uh it you know we we assume that the ark has the power whoever holds it can harness it but that essentially spoilers is not the case and Indy, Indy was the Ark itself was never in any danger. It's it's Indy who is in danger. It's Indy. It's Marion. It's essentially the the human spirit, if you will, that is in danger of because yeah. from the very beginning he's going down a path of destruction. But he doesn't see it that way. He's he essentially I've always stated he is no. When we first meet him, he is truly no better. Maybe not. I wouldn't say maybe not truly no better, but he is definitely on the path that could make him Belloc, the antagonist of the movie. He 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 could very well become Belloc and the Nazis. He's, he's on that path. I wouldn't say he's no better yeah. when we first meet him because he's, he is the hero, so there has to be that, that thing that separates them, but he's definitely on that path, and he's very similar to them more than he realizes. Yeah, I've, I've always found those kinds of parallels interesting where it's your protagonist is dangerously close to your antagonist, yeah. and that provides some of the juiciest thematic stuff for me. Yeah, and he wants, you know, he essentially wants the arc, you know, for what it can do for him. I mean, he openly states it in one of the scenes with Marcus after they've given approval to go get it from the army intelligence he says you know marcus tries to warn him you know this is this is different it's something you've never gone after before and then he just kind of laughs and says what are you trying to do scare me you know i don't believe in all that hocus pocus mumbo jumbo and a very harrison ford (laughs) type mantra (laughs) yeah exactly you know he kind of just throws it off nonchalantly so whether or not he believes that the ark has supernatural powers which is what i do believe belloc believes i I think he does see this as a, a weapon of real physical power. Indy sees it as a thing of power too, but in a different way. He sees it for the fame. I mean, who who wouldn't be famous for rediscovering the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah. Well, also, also with a shred of fear of what it's capable yeah. of too. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's interesting about Indy's character. And Spielberg's even gone and said that he saw him as someone, you know, who's rough around the edges and a mercenary. And that, I think, is right yeah. there, like says it right there. He's he's a mercenary. And Harrison, Harrison Ford even said he did not want to portray Indy Indy as a superhero or that yeah, that no. classic action hero that you saw a lot in the 80s where they were they were like knocking down people and like not getting really beat up in anything you know he wanted to show yeah. a broken sort of character someone who was taking the hits and having to deal with them that he couldn't just take a punch and not feel yeah. it. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting that he kind of became like how a lot of uh, professors and teachers saw them wanted to like the ideal form of what a professor and teacher wanted to see themselves. Oh as. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've known a few, and they just like idolize the the. the 
pop culture sensationalist version of Indiana Jones and just like all that he represents and I've always found that interesting like the from the culture icon of like what he means to so many different teachers yeah and it's 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 strange going back to like how he wanted to show the physical toll that the journey on the arc is taking him I mean if if you look at it from scene one all the way to the end you know he still has all the cuts and bruises and I think one of the famous lines he gives to Marion when they're on the boat he says I think it was Harrison Ford just made it up on the spot he says it's not the years it's the mileage that's such a glorious yeah, line catches too. up to you and i think that epitomizes indy's character as yeah. a you know he's essentially the the anti-hero type and that scene in general between the two of them is such a great moment like such a great overall moment it's so character based mm-hmm. and it, they it just it fits so perfectly it's performed very well it's one of those great great love scenes where it just it doesn't play out like a lot of other ones would yeah it's strictly unique to this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I think that it's another scene to help reinforce Indy's internal struggle and the path he's currently on. And it, it essentially flips. I know, like, for most of us today, this defines and set the whole adventure genre. But you got, like, I would say the adventure genre was had been around at least before this one. It, this was probably just the one that really stapled it into pop culture because I know Spielberg has mentioned uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre as a huge yeah. influence on this film. And of course, Luke is the 1930s series, Republic serials that, you know, played in into this and Star Wars as well. You know, that sort of adventure feel that you get. The two of them together really are just a force. <laughs> like oh, they, yeah. they just, the two of them brought two, the only the two of them together could have made these, I think. I do believe it is a character piece rather than, oh, yes, rather than yes, like yes, a more so. James Bond plot driven adventure story, which I would say Temple of Doom and yeah. Crusade it is. Not, and that's not to say that that makes him bad. I'm just saying, I think this is. No, it's just, it's not, it's, I think it's this is the, the quality. Right ingredients yeah. for, the, for this specific. I think that's piece. the quality that keeps Raiders a little bit cut above the rest of them is the theme and the yeah. underlying message to it because you know if you look at indy he is that anti-hero role like spielberg said he's he's a mercenary he, he's a grave robber i mean you can't you can't really go especially today now you you can't really just go into like a country find something that's truly old and then just take it you know there's that, yeah. that that's that's illegal um, at least today it is. It it is, yeah. But I, I also think it has a uniquely harsh look at the, at the world around us. Everybody throughout all three of these movies, for the most part, is out to stab him in the back and get what he's yeah. done in his yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah. At this at the time that this came out, I I do feel like that was a very unique aspect to these kinds of movies, and it was in in terms of its adventure threads and the places that it went. It did give you a genuine sense of paranoia around the world that everybody's trying to stab you in the yeah. back. No, no, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it it just plays, I think to that whole ideal especially having the character that he is he he sort of has his own set of rules or at least his own aspirations that he wants yeah. to gain and he just if he has to skirt the laws of society to get to it well like every good main character he has a code yeah 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 no definitely sorry i, I no, sorry i thought you thought you were still going on no. um, i thought you had a whole thing no 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 <laughs> uh, but yeah like i mean and even in i know some of it's played for laughs but you know he's he definitely could have or not have had a possible relationship with some of his his students. We're not sure. The famous scene that is also subtly implied. Yeah, there's that scene with the one student where she has the written across her eyelids. I don't think he did. Yeah. I don't think he did. But but it's also not completely off. Yeah, the table I think it's either. once again showing that whole sort of that temptation thing of how close he could be, and also that he's not perfect to tipping. Yeah, and that he's not perfect. Uh, yeah, and that's true. He is a flawed character. He's a flawed hero, which I think 
makes it more interesting. He's he's a bit cynical in the way he looks at things, kills people indiscriminately. You know, the famous, the film, once again, Harrison Ford, I think, was responsible for the famous uh, scene where he shoots the guy with the sword in the in the bath, the, oh, the famous that, market the chase. The story scene. behind that is so good. Yeah, take it, he, take it. He was actually sick that day, or a uh, day. Oh, yeah, that's that right. Were, I think, I think everyone got sick after eating the food, I think, right, when they were in Tunisia. Yeah. yeah just trying to get the scene finished and done with he just did that in a take and it clicked. and it just and worked it, yeah <laughs> so good because <laughs> there was supposed to be like a whole fight scene there i think with they him. had a choreographer yep. for the fight scenes that day and like it was like it was they were ready to really iron it out in the scene and he just like screw it <laughs> i'm sick i'm done with this bam and it works <laughs> Love it. And it's and it holds up too. It's like you're you're never quite sure like what what the heck was that? It's the perfect undercut moment yeah. for like cutting the expectations right off of yeah. the knees. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Again, and just sort of propping up that whole less than ideal, less than that exemplar of what we think of as a classical hero. Yeah. I've always thought that the way some of the way he teaches, he's not he's not fully into his job as a teacher. He wants he 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 craves more of the 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 field work, the exploration, yeah. the danger. That that obsession with trying to find that next big thing that's going to propel him out of the life he's currently in, you know, to get that that famous yeah. archaeological stamp in his field. And the antihero is nothing new to this to this movie no no you know some of the ones but i do think it's spun in a unique no way. definitely yeah especially for the genre for the adventure genre I think even so. even today which is shocking because it's it's the last few years especially in television anti-hero has been like the name of the game oh it's yeah like, look at walter white look at mm-hmm. tony soprano, tony soprano yeah. like it's that's that's the name of like the big hitters so it's it, i think i do think it's genuinely impressive that indy holds up yeah no and, and i've always thought like you know the anti-hero classical hero is kind of interesting because you know i would argue that any hero no matter how classical or ant whatever spin you want to give them i think it's just a way of sort of like organizing them after the fact but I've always felt that, like, you know, antiheroes are shown as, like, they, you know, they have, like, their own code, their own moral ethics. They don't conform to, you know, what was originally designed to be the the hero archetype. Um, but one yeah. thing I always had to, like, separate in my mind was just because if, if you go with the antihero or the more classical hero, it doesn't mean that either one is devoid of a flaw in some sense. No. That I've always taken, like, you know, I think, like, like Superman, for example— you know, he would be held up as like the exemplar of the of the hero type, at least in the, in the comic book world. But yeah. even though he's like physically invulnerable, um, and I think that's what makes it challenging is you have to figure out a way how do you humanize him a little bit and still sort of keep that role of what everyone expects. Yeah, and it's like while he's not physically vulnerable the people of earth are and most often the conflicts are driven around his enemies toying with his emotions and putting other people in danger and that sort of thing. yeah i think i think just it's interesting because it's a it's a i think it's a heavy writing challenge because it puts you into thinking about the conflict differently. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's it's just to show that i think anytime you're gonna do an anti-hero or a classical hero one does not mean devoid of flaws or that they're absolutely perfect in every single way. Yeah. That can make for a pretty, a, a very tough protagonist to write, to write and possibly a dull one. There, there's always got to be something, you know, like I think I'm yeah. getting back to Superman real quick. I think I remember, and I could be wrong on this. I believe one of the ways that um, his foster father, uh, John Kent, uh, ends up dying is by like a heart attack i think in one of the series versions he ends up just dying from like natural causes and it's something that superman couldn't stop which i think is which i think is interesting to that mythos there are some things that he is somewhat powerless to stop as well 
That's fascinating. You know, so it, it's sort of like, again, it's just trying to show that, the, you know, with certain, you just got to know, like, your character, where you want them to be, where they're going to fall on that spectrum, you know, of antiheroes tend to be more outside of society's rules, where the classical hero tends to be more in them and, you know, adheres to them. But it doesn't mean that they don't have their own flaws and that they're not, you know, more and complex as well. They, they do have it there. It's just usually maybe not as prominent as you see with other characters and other, like, antiheroes. Yeah. But yeah, like, so the main thing with Raiders. What's your favorite scene in Raiders? I, I, I meant to ask. I do think that the idol sequence is pretty phenomenal. The opening sequence, yeah. Not only, I think it's one of the best character introductions I can think of in big theatrical releases. That's also just such a great chase sequence on its own, but there there's so many great elements to that. But there, I mean, you could say that literally about any almost any sequence in the film, yeah. I would say, because each one does serve a very direct purpose to what's going on. Yeah. I think that the Marion's bar sequence is fantastic. Not even just from a story standpoint, but the visuals of that sequence are unbelievably well lit, well shot. I also I also love the shooting style of all three Indiana Jones films in general because it has a... I mean, Spielberg has had a way of doing this with Jaws and Jurassic Park and several others, but he shoots in a very classic yet new age yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he manages to do this over several different DPs, which I always yeah, find I very, think, very fascinating. This was one of the first ones. I think this was the first movie he did that he came under budget, under schedule. He finished it faster because I think up until now, every movie he had made, Jaws, Close Encounters. Yeah. I think, I think, was 19, was it 1943, 1942? I think. Yeah. I think they all went over schedule. Um, I, that, they were all slightly over, yeah. And they all went over budget. And this was the first one that he proved that he could do it. And I think that was attributing to like doing the storyboards well. And even the genre itself, the serial that this was based on. I think certainly helped because you could do a lot more in terms of like quick cuts and editing. And I think that's also that's also great to the credit of George Lucas. I mean, on everything that Lucasfilm did, he managed to come in under budget, under schedule. Well, not not always under schedule, but I mean, pretty much almost always he was under budget. I think. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't even start turning a profit until after Empire. Oh, really? That's huh. Because I mean, they built from the ground up, and then they were fighting the DGA every step of the way. So interesting. Yeah, the crafting of Lucasfilm, fascinating topic for another day, for sure. When you look at Raiders, every single, and I touched on it before, every single scene in this movie acts as a setup to warn Indy that he should just stop right where he is. Now, obviously, he can't stop because he he wants the arc, and if he did stop, there would be no movie. (laughs) So. The Big Bang, the Raiders paradox there certainly hits it on the head in terms that he plays no outcome, but that's okay because the Ark is in no danger. You don't want the Ark. And if you look at every scene, it's literally setting up the path of destruction or what, what's going to happen to Indy if he doesn't stop. And we quite... Yeah. And if anything, it's interesting that he actually leads the Ark into the hands oh, of the Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so like the opening sequence at the idol scene, we first meet Belloc. You, you can see that he's so pissed that Belloc gets the idol. Even the thing yeah. Belloc says, he says... They set up that conflict yeah. so beautifully right from the get-go. He says, you know, there's nothing you can possess that I can't take away, I think is Belloc says to him. That's one of the things that I think keeps driving him is, you know, he wants that... And they continually put Indy in that precarious scenario with Belloc standing over him once mm-hmm. again with his shit-eating grin. Yeah. <laughs> like rubbing it in that he is once again... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. So right off the bat, his his lifestyle just breeds danger. And then you go to the school scene, the, fa- the exposition 
scene with him learning about the arc. You know, I mean, gosh, you got Nazis. You got he shows the fa- the thing. He opens the book and shows the army intelligence men what the arc looks like. Mm-hmm. And you didn't need to have a, a thing where someone says one of the guys points to the picture and says, "Oh, now what's that supposed to be coming out of there?" And then Indy just says, "Lightning, fire, power, of God, or something." And he he just kind of sh- shrugs it off. That you really don't r- truly need that moment in there if you're going for a more plot based. But since we're more based yeah. on the character, once again, there's another warning. It shows his aloofness yeah. for one, but also his his draw. Yeah, yeah, his it. draw to it at the same time, which is interesting. It's it's definitely again that whole plane of the hero in the shadow right there. That internal struggle, that human heart and conflict with itself. Because again, like I said, you really you could cut that out if you wanted to, but it it would it would affect the overall. It would do a disservice to the yeah. character if you did. And like every scene after that, you know, you look. Then he goes every major sequence. You know, him going to get Marion at the tavern. Nazis come in, burn the place to the ground. Long before this, any normal human being would be like you know what yeah it, no it's just not worth it or would like turn back at some point i've heard people say before that the the raiders paradox as it is is by accident oh that's accident okay i can't believe it most mostly because of things like the bar sequence because the main switch there is that what's his name uh with the glasses burns the Toph. i uh, think i think Toph is the character's name or yes or he burnt he burns the the emblem into his hand and that's what the what the nazis using, are using yeah to find the tomb because the inscription on it is how they find how they mm-hmm. find it but see if they if that didn't ha- if any wasn't there they would have just obtained it but because he is they still end up with the yeah, information exactly so it's like every, yeah. everything is in, is in some way positive. yeah is some has that like sort of yeah no i didn't even think about that before. it's like it's it's no matter what they're constantly being led down the same yeah, path exactly and because they are somewhat close mirror images of themselves, the the Nazis, Belloc, and 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 Indy. There now there is that one yeah, thing. Yeah, they're all slight variations of one another to a degree. Yeah. And even when he meets Marion again, I mean Marion punches him. So we we know that oh yeah. he must have done something bad to her in the past. Exactly. It's, and I love the ambiguity of yeah. that too. It's like like the exact circumstances aren't quite iron. You know, essentially whatever their past history was, he was. He was a dick to her, you know. He wasn't the, the nicest yeah. of people. And again, that's on, that only serves to enhance. Yeah, his and even now more. he's still kind of just using her for the medallion piece. Yeah, he's not back out of altruistic yeah. purposes. He's back because he wants. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah, exactly. But she, Marion, kind of outsmarts him a little bit. She knows that she's got something that he desperately needs and she's not just going to give it right away to him and that's why you know he feel once again he lost again he he still hasn't mm-hmm. won you know so he's like all right i gotta come back and then of course you know the bar sequence and the fire happens which is pro- it's probably the most flammable bar in yeah. <laughs> the history of film i would say <laughs> it just goes up immediately yes which and that was all you know i think today they would probably do probably a bit more cgi with the fire but that was all real fire yeah. that they and it would only it would only serve to to lessen lessen <laughs> <laughs> the visuals in my opinion yeah and if you keep going on in the scenes the next sequence they they head to cairo he meets with sala sala tells him about the oh, dig yeah and once again sala warning him saying like indy there's something that troubles me it's the ark if it is there it's something that man's not meant to disturb once again if you want a legendary film put john rise davis oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, we're raiders lord of the rings yeah you name yeah. it yeah 
legend. Even even the dig with Indy finally figuring out where the arc is, he has the the chance. He believes Marion is dead after the the market chase, mm-hmm. and the solemn the solemnness of that fake out for him too is is really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that even after that, that's when he's taken to the can the I would say the famous cantina scene, which just pretty much epitomizes the whole hero shadow in one scene. Yeah, he meets Belloc. But it's pretty much the classic. You're no different than me, and literally that's what Belloc says to him. He says it would take. I'm a shadowy reflection of you. It literally is the line that Belloc says to, to Indy. It would take but a nudge yeah. to make you like me. And, and you can see that Indy doesn't hate that, but he kind of knows it. And that's why it's eating him inside because there's a part of him that's like, maybe he's right. Maybe he's right about me. Even when, when he goes to the camp and finds Marion again, he's, he's presented with a scenario where she's alive. Oh my God, he can get her out of there. No one's found him yet. He could pretty much spirit her away and they could just they, they could end the story right there the story could end but once again he's got to keep going for Completely the arc. really shows that he the arc is more important to him than yes. she is still at, the, at this point in he the is story. still on that destructive path but he doesn't realize it because he's like damn it i really want this thing i can't lose again but he doesn't realize that he's he's won already but just not he doesn't realize you know the true victory yeah and just living a, a, a good life and that doesn't come up until the very end you know so he gets the arc there's there's a freaking storm happening in the middle of the desert out of nowhere you you would think that like that would spook someone and he's like no let's keep going and then there's snakes his his biggest fear his 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 ultimate but he's like god damn it nemesis. i don't care i'm going in i'm going in i'm getting it you yeah. know and then by doing that it delivers it to the nazis and then there's the whole classic you know back and forth of he has the arc then they have it then they have it again he gets it the whole you know they go on the ship sequence and he has to stow away on which okay i've, I've always wondered this tell what tell me what you think when he goes on the u-boat okay do, it cuts right as he's on top of it i've always wondered this do, do they not dive? Does the U-boat not dive? Because it's possible that it didn't dive or that he's able to sneak. And the only reason I'm not sure if he snuck on board was because the next time we see him in the in the in the hangar, which was an actual real U-boat hangar, by the way, it was, a, I believe, a German hangar, which still had the old graffiti and everything on it from World War II. He still looks wet. He still looks like he's soaked from the ocean. So, like, my thing is, like, how the hell did he survive a submarine yeah, sinking? He, I don't, but I've never, I've never been able to tell, like, did it, did it actually submerge? Did it not? Did he get in the sub? I'm not sure. He he either got in, bailed out before they docked, and that's why he's wet. Yeah, I'm splitting hairs. I'm going on a tangent here, but I've always just wondered what your take. No, yeah, it's one of those like Clark Kent in the glasses moments. Yeah, like you can't help but question it. You're like nobody noticed that. There's (laughs) definitely one moment that I would be like, yeah, that there's a bit of a a smaller detail that's I'm like, huh? How did he get out of that one? Yeah, and I think what's interesting too is like if you were to say now here, okay, where would you think the climax of the movie is? I think it's very arguably, and this is there, there is no like yeah. When Indy Indy lets himself become captured, yes. When he has the rocket launcher and just hands that's always been over. yeah. And again, you it, there is no like um, you can definitely argue for different points, but for me, it's always been when he uh, sneaks away and yes, has the rocket launcher and he's up on the hill. He has he's essentially has all the power right there. You know, yeah. he's and th- that's where his influence is relinquished. Yeah, he finally has the upper hand on Belloc, and Belloc once again beats him with his yeah. idea of like you want to see this open just as much as i do he stops he puts the gun down well also I, g- I guess it could be argued because his influence is mainly about him saving marion he tells her not true to yeah Stark. yeah you could make an argument for absolutely that well, no you definitely could so because that is his ultimate last act of saving her. he tries to yeah he tries to bargain saying you know just 
just give me Marin and we'll go. But Belloc calls his bluff on it, says, you're not, no, we're not, I'm not giving you her because you're not going to do it. So I've always found that interesting about Raiders is essentially Indy does lose. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't win. It's like the Rocky effect. Yeah. It's like Rocky does not win at the end of Rocky, which I have always loved. Yeah. And it, t- it tells you that that's not the most important yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's right there at the end when they're opening the arc. So the, the arc, the opening of the arc is kind of like the epilogue for me in, or like the falling action. And there is kind of that one moment where he just, you know, he, he keeps his eyes shut and tells Marion to do as well, you know? Yeah. So it, it kind of, that's what's so interesting about that ending. You really sort of denied that final fight between the hero and the shadow, which, you know, you see a lot today, that final like sort of physical, you know, or big epic climactic battle, which yeah. almost every, I would say almost every superhero film at least tends to have. This one kind of ends on like a bit of a, I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's an incredible sequence of the arc opening. Oh, 100%. It ends more. It's, it's, it's the poltergeist meets, yeah. you know, action adventure yeah. a thousand percent. So although it is very a spectacle at the end, I would say it, it sort of ends on that sort of that that whisper in the sense of you're we're, we're denied what we thought was going to be the final climactic battle that that slain of the dragon moment that that triumph you know that triumphant hero you know it doesn't happen and indy loses and it's more through the i i would think he has just a little bit of a realization that like all right just shut your eyes don't look at it yeah. so how close he truly came to becoming the shadow and that and that internal struggle literally right up to the wall yeah literally right up to it and there's another one too. I'm thinking, how do they get off that island? <laughs> I guess maybe they could pilot the U-boat. Here's another like, as we're since we're since we're yeah. picking apart the movie here. That's also a very good point. I've never really considered. You know, I guess maybe though there was probably could have been a radio station on there. I would I would buy that, and he could. I'd buy this one. I think I could explain explain away a little bit more to myself than the the submerging U-boat. I'm sure there'd be yeah. like some sort of a radio system that he could call. They used the skulls of Tuganda <laughs> from the Phantoms. <laughs> And they floated away. <laughs> oh my gosh! Good movie. <laughs> no, good movie though too. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's what's really interesting about Raiders is, and even at the and even after that sequence, then you you know he's back in I believe it's New York or is it DC? Yeah, it might be DC or New York. I have to. I can't remember. Pretty sure it's DC. Okay, that would make more sense. I could be I could be wrong. But his talking to the U.S. Army intelligence and they have the arc. And he's once again. I've I've never been sure if he's angry again because he lost and he doesn't have the arc, or because he's. What well, does touch that very Lucasfilm note of questioning American authority? Yeah. and that's there was the, there was a large theme. Well, it was like a very it was a subtly implied theme in Star Wars, but it is it is prevalent of like questioning the big conglomerate and being told that. This military-industrial complex mentality that was so prevalent is certainly not without deserving scrutiny. Yeah. I think that was the button that was trying to be hit with the whole Area 51 with the crate, put it away. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. This large, it, it plays to those. conglomerate pile of secrets that the United States has. And it's like, it's, it sh- it's like this wealth of hidden secrets. It's I, I, think that, I think that was more of a Lucasfilm than a Spielberg, but at the same time, it very much hits both of their... Yeah, no, definitely. Like. Yeah, and it just... Again, calling, you know, to why I think Raiders stands the test of time in terms of storytelling. You yeah. know, it, it, oh, it truly externalizes 
that notion of, of Faulkner's quote, the human heart in conflict with itself. It, it literally takes an internal struggle, externalizes it through the story itself, but you still also sh- are shown that internal struggle that India is having on this journey. And it is it is a sense of, you know, like a, a redemption story, I guess. You know, if you, if you look yeah. at India as, you know, just a representation of humanity itself, there's that sort of question, what's he going to act on? Or is, is he going to tip and become like Belloc? Is he going to go down? the the road and i think of the th- of the three indie films i think think this epitom- i think this epitomizes faulkner's quote the best yeah of, for of me them. anyway it and, always has and and i'll definitely say i'm biased you know this is one of my favorite films of all time so oh, yeah. just indiana jones Easily. just is alone i t- i tend to think of them as a unit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. any and although i i tend to do that with any well deserving tri- trilogy because a good a good trilogy crafted can act as a singular story yeah. i think no definitely and this is certainly one one for the ages in terms of a perfect first install yeah you know i think also too it's just like as i think about it it is essentially it's an the the story it's touching on it you know once again it's finding that sort of universal quality of humanity again that makes it timeless it doesn't it doesn't feel dated in terms of the story itself even though you could argue i still think the special effects hold up even though it's all oh, practical Luc- lucasfilm in their heyday without yeah. question but the story itself the the themes the the conflict that it's going for i think is is timeless and i i've always looked at it as it is a bit of a moses story in the way you know you have that that journey of enlightenment he starts out under you know he thinks he's an egyptian and part of the pharaoh's dynasty but then finds out he's he's not and finds out his true nature and then comes back to, yeah. to lead his people out of Egypt. And that is, that's kind of what I've always kind of looked at it that way. You know, now it's told much differently, but I think it's kind of the same thing is Indy thinks he's that great archaeologist type character on the same level as Belloc. And Belloc is a, is a, is a great archaeologist in his own right. But he- Belloc is a bit more the businessman, yeah. a bit more... He has a higher arrogance, I would say. You you can see that I think Indy wants to be him sometimes. Indy has the draw and the interest, but ne- not necessarily the action yes, and, to be the same. You know, beating Belloc to the arc would be the thing, you know, that finally gives it to him. But more so in the sense of sticking it to yeah. him than being yeah, 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 yeah. I would say. No, absolutely, for his own pride and his own glory. Yeah, but that's that also goes with the old staple is like, in what way are the two different? Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, true, absolutely. And that just, I just think, calls into why this movie is still so relevant and still so good, regardless of the fact that he does not play an outcome on the plot. Because if you look at it this way, this is in the in the traditional in the traditional sense. sense yes, this is why it's this is why you keep coming back to it. I feel, and this yeah, is why it, 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 it almost boggles the mind. And anybody who says that it's unintentional, you you, you I, gotta you gotta focus on especially like things like that that bar yeah. scene where while Indy is deviating something that's happening it's also in a roundabout way leading it right back to the same path yeah and there's there's more than a few instances and and again there is that even the ending too is a little ambiguous when at the very last scene or prior i should say second to last scene not not counting the arc being packed away in area 51 yeah his his last scene with marion him outraged you know fools bureaucratic fools they don't know what they've got there and marion says well i know what i've got here and I'll buy you a drink. It, yeah. It's it's weird because his reaction is he does go with her and the music plays, Marion's uh, theme plays as they're walking down the steps. I always find it interesting because 
Indy seems reluctant to go a little bit. He still, you know what I mean? So there is yeah. that ambiguous ending of, has he fully changed? Because if, if we go off, off the notion of that he fails in the end, he doesn't win the day, maybe he hasn't truly arced yet. I don't know. I've always thought that you could make the argument that he doesn't really. He has maybe like a minor arc. He has more of a, a more complex. In terms of his larger character, yeah. it's not full. You know, like though. when you look at dynamic heroes, I would say this is definitely one big thing that separates the anti-hero from the classical hero or the flawed classical hero is they definitely are dynamic and they make a huge change like look at for example look at iron man I'll look at a more recent example if you look at the first iron man movie when we first meet him he's he's pretty much not the greatest of people no he's actually somewhat reprehensible yeah. to be you know just you know he's an arms dealer he doesn't care where the where the weapons go who it kills just as long as the money's still coming in then yeah. after his ordeal or at the very least he's completely ignorant yeah of it. yeah at the very least yeah and doesn't doesn't much care one and then the if other. you compare him to what he's like at the end of the movie as iron man he's definitely a huge arc he's gone through a huge change he's gone through like a lifetime of change in the matter of a couple months maybe several yeah, weeks maybe. to a month to a few months and that's usually one of the things that the classical hero even if they're flawed which they should be i would argue makes <laughs> makes for better yeah. conflict that sort of like does that's sort of one of the staples of it it they go through a change much faster than any normal human being could possibly do but usually yeah. they're confronted with very extreme circumstances that kind of forces it in this instance indy as if we look at it as an anti-hero his arc if he if he has one i think he does it's very it's very minor yeah i would i would say that he does it's very minor he kind of still wants in terms of the grand yeah. scope yes because like again he when he leaves the u.s army office marion says let's get a drink he's still very reluctant to go you know he's like he's his head's down you can tell his 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 head and heart are not 100 yeah, 100% yeah. In it. and he act he does look back one more time and it's marion that has to sort of pull him to look away so yeah there is that sense that eh, did he change did he not i think he did a little bit but But I think that's you know plays more to the notion of a more complex human being because you know it's it's, change is hard change is tough it's very tough and a lot of us I know I can't do stuff like you know you see the classic heroes and heroines in in history and other art do it's it's just very tough to do that it's it's also why it's it's difficult to write yeah. genuine change yeah I think. and that's why i think indy is so enduring is it's yeah his lifestyle the character but also even though we would put him in the list of like super action heroes i would say if you look at the original raiders and from what all went down he's one of the more yes, human heroes. he's one of the more humanized action superheroes that we have and that's yeah. why it's okay that he doesn't play a role in the plot because it's it's about his character and what he shows for the human condition rather than whether or not he stops the Nazis from getting the art. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That is the Indiana Jones Why paradox. it doesn't matter that Indiana Jones doesn't matter, if you follow me. <laughs> if you follow If you know what I'm saying.